definitely an art and a science. As seed investors, you're really betting on the person mm. to start with. And so this is not that different. Could there be a world where creators could sell a share or a slice of whatever they're doing to super fans, you know, enabled by crypto, maybe? Welcome to the Business of Creators podcast. If you're a content creator or you want to know more about the creator economy, then this podcast is definitely for you. In today's show, I'm speaking with Megan Lightcap from Slow Ventures and the Creator Fund. The Creator Fund is designed specifically to invest capital in individuals to help them build their brands and create more long-term value. They invest anywhere from $100,000 to $5 million in each person in return from anywhere from 1% to 5% of a creator's future earnings over their careers. In this episode, Megan explains exactly what they're looking for in an investment opportunity and how they review these with some real examples of creators that they're actively working with. You're going to learn so much from this discussion. But before we get into that, I want to tell you about Electrify Video Partners, a business I co-founded that also invests millions of dollars into YouTube channels. Unlike the Creator Fund, we invest anything from 50% to 100% acquisition of a channel. Now, if you want to grow your YouTube channel or you're wondering how much it could be worth, please check us out at electrify.video and get in touch with me. Right, let's get on with the show. So on today's podcast, I'm joined by Megan from Slow Ventures. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Great. So can you just explain to everybody listening who are Slow Ventures? So Slow Ventures is a seed stage generalist venture fund um, originally based out of San Francisco, although now... We have presence in SF, New York, and Boston. Um, So we kind of invest across industries. So everything from healthcare to fintech to SaaS, enterprise, crypto. Um, And one of the the more recent strategies, which we can get into kind of where where my focus is, is um, in backing uh, creators and individuals. So the thesis kind of being in, um, you know, we can can get into this now or later, but at at a high level, thesis is um, humans kind of deserve deserve equity too. Uh, and so if you believe that, you know, whether you're a creator or a multi-time entrepreneur, that these people will go on to be successful in, in various regards, why can't they access the capital markets in the same way that startups do? And so one flavor of that is with creators. So backing um, creators directly with super flexible equity capital um, to really deploy across different initiatives, whether it's to invest in content and production or um, spin up operating brands and businesses. So um, that's kind of my focus at Slow, but broadly seed stage generalist venture fund. So Excellent. Well, thanks for that. And thanks for jumping straight to the Creator Fund. So I'd love to talk about and learn about that in more detail. Can you sort of explain like the different businesses that or businesses that you're supporting with this? And you mentioned like the products and, and different and content. How do you think about that at the Creator Fund? Yeah. So we kind of observed like the high level thesis is really that we observed this shift in um, power, influence, whatever you want to call it, away from brands and institutions towards the individual. I mean, even in my own like personal consumer behavior, right? I'm way more likely to convert on a product if it's recommended by someone that I deeply trust in a specific category versus, you know, some no name brand that I see an Instagram ad for that I have no connection with. Um, And so we kind of see this happening across the board. So whether it's consumer, media, sports, um, certain political affiliations, if you think about like, you know, the rise of AOC and the Democratic Party. 
Um, and so we kind of observed this happening and said, well, within the consumer realm, um, if you if you believe that people and individuals are actually controlling kind of their the consumer mind and wallet share, then there should be an opportunity for these folks to build some really interesting businesses on top of their name, image, brand, personal brand. Um, and so we're basically giving people um, or creators capital to whether it's spin up a CPG company or um, launch a software business, go into a joint venture, be a sales distribution, right? There's so many different ways that creators can now monetize and think about themselves or think about their platforms really as, as you know, big commercial opportunities. And so um, that's really where we're focused. And namely that's in and around creators that sit within a specific niche versus folks that are more broadly kind of talent and celebrity oriented. Cool. And can you just explain a, a little bit more on that? Because I, I think I know what you mean, but just why you're focusing on the niches rather than the broader talent. Yeah, I kind of think about um, creators and here I'm using the term creators like super broadly, but creators on a spectrum where I think there's there's a certain flavor of creator that's really in the attention game. Um, and these are almost like modern day celebrities where they kind of live and die by people just having eyeballs on them, right? And so they're constantly needing to be in front of the camera. Um, in many instances, you're not entirely sure what they're known for, which is neither good or bad. It's just kind of how they came to be and, and came to get notoriety. Um, and then on the other side of the spectrum, I think you see some creators that are almost like experts in a niche or field. And they they kind of have like a shared insight or shared or a secret to, to share with the world. Um, and often these are categories where there's generally a consumer knowledge gap between the consumer or customer and the expert. And so as an example, because um, just because I had a conversation this morning about it, if you think about um, the parenting category, right, or, or, you know, to get a little bit more specific, sleep training for babies. As a consumer, I could scour reviews, go into Reddit threads, Facebook groups, try and get into, you know, different mommy groups or whatever to figure out how to sleep train my baby or go to pediatricians, right? There's so much information. I have no idea how to call it down. Um, or I could follow and engage with an expert, right? Or a creator in that field where they've kind of curated the information, they have a perspective, they have some credibility or expertise or authority. And it really just shortcuts a lot of my consumer decision-making um, in terms of the programming, what to buy, products, how to think about kind of the, the process more broadly. So um, I think the for us, at least, we're, we're way more focused on um, the latter category, which are creators that sit within specific fields or niches or what have you. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see the opportunity. So then how does it work? Does a creator come to you with an idea or are you searching for leading creators in niches with ideas for them? How do you how do you see that? Yeah, it's actually a little bit of both. Um, so I think, you know, so my background is, is broadly in kind of consumer. So I spent some time doing uh, consumer growth investing and then working at two early stage startups in and around the, the e-commerce space. And and. When I was at um, El Catterton, which is where I was doing investing, we would have broad theses around the world, whether it's um, health and wellness or consumers caring more about the environment or sustainability, and then go find certain companies 
within that fit within those specific themes. And so in this seat, right, you could do the same thing, which is to say, okay, you know, I believe the world is is going in X, Y, and Z direction. Therefore, I'm going to find the top five creators kind of tackling or in that field or, or niche or what have you, um, and then do some outbound that way. Alternatively, we have a lot of creators come to us um, with different ideas or uh, the willingness or ambition to kind of build something much bigger than just uh, their content and kind of media platform. And so it's definitely a little bit of both. Um, we've also had, interestingly, creators come to us with uh, hopes to fundraise for a specific one specific project or entity or idea. And then over the course of the conversation, you know, realizing that maybe a more holistic deal where we're, we're kind of giving them capital to, to invest across everything or however they see fit makes a lot more sense. So multiple different ways. And then the, the third way is we, we use a, a data tool that's super helpful for identifying, you know, spiky people that are taking off for whatever reason that you probably wouldn't have surfaced um, otherwise. So, And is that across all platforms, uh, social platforms and podcasts and everything really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, YouTube is big, unsurprisingly. Um, Instagram for specific categories. Uh, that Again, this parenting example is really interesting. I think mm. a lot of moms um, or to be moms spend time on Instagram more so than YouTube. Um, there's I'm doing a, a, a sourcing project now, actually calling through podcast episodes of of people who are uniquely talented at identifying um early creators, uh, who kind of have a specific perspective or point of view. Um, I don't really spend that much time on, on TikTok. I think the, the fan affinity there just looks and feels very different. Um, you know, you could have two, three, four or 5 million subscribers and, uh, those subscribers may not even know that they're following you, right. Just the way that the, the platform works. So really focus more on, um, YouTube, Instagram, um and and less on tiktok so yeah i mean there was so much discussion about that um that fandom at, at vidcon last year where yeah. there were many tiktok stars but there weren't that many fans there to see them and as you say the way the platform operates it's just different and 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 they don't have the same audience that perhaps youtube or other um platforms do have so yeah totally and, and i mean you see it on tiktok too where you'll, you'll see people post a video. And then at the end, it's kind of like leading the people to go follow them on Instagram or other platforms where there's better monetization. And mm. just again, like fan stickiness is kind of better on other platforms. So yeah, it's TikTok is an interesting, an interesting beast. But And can you um, explain what does an investment look like for um, a creator um, in terms of kind of broadly the size and, and, and how it, they should think about it? Sure. So um, we'll invest anywhere from call it half a million up to 2 million on the high end. If a creator needs more capital, we can build a syndicate um, and, and bring in other investors uh, around the table. And the investment is into a holdco, which basically sits um, kind of on top of all of their different revenue streams or uh, subsidiaries or activities. I mean, the best way to think about it is, I'm sure you saw the news with Mr. Beast trying to raise um mm most recent fundraiser, I think he's trying to raise like 150 million or something, but um, that reflects an investment to my knowledge in this Topco where you have under it um, his content business, his Feastables business, Beast Burger business, and any other kind of companies that he's spinning up. And so similarly, we invest into kind of a creator Topco that basically houses 
all the creator related stuff. Um, and the way that we've kind of drawn this up or why we think it's important to be structured this way is kind of twofold. So from the creator's perspective, it's really advantageous when they can kind of have capital sitting at a level where they can deploy it across any project, because basically everything kind of feeds one another, right? If you think about investing into content and production, that increases the chance of success of other business ventures um, and vice versa. And so for them, the ability to have this sort of deeply flexible capital um, and allow them to kind of spend time on highest ROI activities, we think is really, really important. And then from the investor's perspective, what we found is that when you invest at kind of the top level, so broadly indexing yourself to the creator themselves, it's the better place to be one, because you're not, you don't get irked, right? When they start to spend time on another project versus the project that you may have invested in. And I think with creators, right? Like the value is in the person themselves. And so you need them to focus on the thing at hand. And so going back to the Mr. Beast example, right? If, if someone just invested in Feastables, maybe a wonderful investment, but what happens when Mr. Beast wakes up and says, well, I want to actually go focus on this other thing. And kind of the attention then turns away from, um, from Feastables. I mean, the, the example that we always use at, at Slow is, you know, Goop, if you're, are you familiar with Gwyneth yes. Paltrow? Yes, yes. Yeah. Like Goop really only worked because uh, Gwyneth Paltrow stopped acting, right? Like she, you know, kind of decided one day that she's going to funnel all of her time, energy, and resources into this thing. And I'm not quite sure it would have seen the same level of, of success had she continued, you know, pursuing acting in other, um, in other projects. So it's just, it, it's one of the the ways that we get comfortable kind of as investors. Mm. There's some great examples there, Mr. Beast, for example. Can you share some examples of creators that you've invested in and what you've learned and why they raised in the first place? Yeah. So one one of our um, creators that we've backed that we've talked about publicly um, is a YouTuber named Marina Mogilko. Um, she sits out in San Francisco and her her niche, if you will, is in and around language learning. So she immigrated from Russia to the United States like decided to document her journey of um, applying to a, a startup accelerator, what it was like to apply to business school in the United States, um, be an immigrant here and, and kind of, you know, pursue the American dream. And, you know, you look at it and you're like, yeah, it's kind of niche. Like I would never, I would like me personally, I would never look at it or like watch that channel, but turns out like there's a whole lot of immigrants and people in the U S pursuing the same thing that deeply identify with her. Um, and so she's been able to build some really interesting course product on top of that. She has um, a, a number of different YouTube channels. She's done super well with respect to shorts. So she's um, she's kind of off to the races. And so that's one uh, that we're really excited about. And then one, I know we were talking before we hit record, but um, one that we're working through right now and hopefully will be announced in a couple months um, is someone who's in a very specific slice of what I would call like DIY home care. Um, and again, the, the thesis or theory is like, you know, there's many new homeowners every year in the United States, and th there's this deep knowledge gap between a brand new homeowner and what they need to do or know for this specific category. And so, um, this person has built an amazing presence in and around this space in this field, 
um, and has launched a pretty successful bottom of funnel, you know, DT, DTC business around it and just has a tremendous amount of ideas um, in not only the category, but also adjacent category. So for this person, the use of funds is to double down on content because it kind of, the thesis is that, you know, lifts all ships, right? So just continue to build his personal brand, build his YouTube channel, um, and then really take some like bigger swings with respect to some of these business building activities. So there's, um, you know, he wants to deploy some of the capital into the existing business. And then there's um, some other adjacent venture opportunities that um, we're, we're really excited about and he has us convinced on. So a lot of times it's, you know, cr creators don't necessarily need the capital, right? Like this mm. is something that I hear a lot. And, but I think there's something um, quite emotional about having, basically having a war chest at your disposal to like really, really go for it. Um, that's not predicated on being in front of the camera, you know, brand deal sponsorships and really allows you to, to focus on the thing at hand versus how am I actually going to make ends meet with the next brand deal sponsorship ad deal, whatever. Um, and so that's, the, that's the biggest thing that we hear from creators, which is just, you know, having one, a, a kind of a partner alongside and, and invested in, in your success. And then two, having the amount of capital and really the idea or the clear idea on use of funds as to how to put it to work. Um, so. I, I, I can't wait to hear about that one. Um, when it's, you know, I'm so excited. <laughs> I like, I, yeah, I wish we could talk about it, um, talk about it now, but it's, we're, we're pumped about it. So we'll keep you, we'll keep you posted. And um, can you explain sort of the analysis that you would do to look at an opportunity like that? Um, I mean, is the creator pitching to you like Shark Tank or uh, <laughs> do they have a business plan? And and what sort of what, what are you doing to support the creator in kind of like reviewing the opportunity before the investment? Yeah, so there's definitely I kind of think about it in two different parts. So one is just like any seed investing, like getting to know the founder or the creator deeply and um, really having a a good understanding of um, how they're going to build the empire, right? Whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a creator, I think having a really clear idea of what the the venture dollars are going to test, what hypothesis they want to prove out, um, and you know, having a clear direction of the bet of like, okay, a little bit of capital can can really accelerate this thing and and build the brand to something much bigger than it is today. So that's more of like the qualitative part. Um, and then obviously from um, a quantitative part, like if there's an existing business um, kind of wrapping our arms around what's the opportunity there, it, much in the same way you would a you know regular consumer investment. Um, and then having an understanding of what are their different revenue streams, at what rate are they growing, um, the different you know operating profiles of of the various opportunities they want to pursue. So there's a, it's definitely an art and a science um, with respect to how we think about valuation and underwriting and all that stuff. But um, look, I think interestingly, as seed investors, um, you're you're really betting on the person mm -hmm. to start with, and so this is not that different. It's more just being really explicit about that um, in this model. And so you know, I think. From at least our perspective, I think we're we're hopefully well suited to to make some of these investment decisions and partner right. with founders, creators, et cetera. And do you have sort of an active role in the investment once you've made that, or is it more of a passive role that um, you take on? Yeah. So 
it's extremely passive in the sense that we have no creative control or direction. There are no milestones. They could do whatever they want with the capital. Um, no board meetings, no check-ins, no, like they are off to the races going to do the thing that they were, you know, put on this earth to do. That being said, in the same way that we work with our seed founders, um, we want to be helpful. We want to be advisors. We can be specifically helpful. I think when it comes to business and capital allocation and resource allocation decisions, which is to say, okay, well, I'm evaluating these three opportunities. I only have enough capital time resources to focus on too. How do I think about it? Um, or interestingly, you know, if they get to a point where one of the sub entities or projects that they're working on or brands wants to do a dedicated fundraise, I mean, we could be extremely helpful in that regard, but we wanted to be pretty careful when setting this up as to not be, you know, full on service providers, you know, we're, we're not, we're not going to parachute in and, you know, be the operating team on their behalf. It's just, it's not what we do. Um, and we want to be, you know, pretty explicit about that, but want to be a, a very much aligned financial and, um, you know, partner and investor and advisor. So. Great. That makes absolute sense. And um, I know that the broader business focuses on Web3 and crypto, and I wondered if you had any sort of specific thoughts on perhaps how the creator economy may sort of uh, um, incorporate some of that into what they're doing. And um, it's going to be fascinating to see how it evolves. But do you have any kind of inside thoughts um, from what you're looking at? Yeah, it's one of those things I'm pretty torn on. Um, I think you talk to a lot of creators and they have so much going on to start with. It's kind of like they're, this is like web three crypto, all this stuff, NFTs are, are like not even top of mind for them. Mm. That said, I do think, and I know Sam Lesson, who's a GP here at slow definitely believes this in that crypto could present an interesting liquidity opportunity for creators where, um, you know, crypto is useful in bringing liquidity to illiquid assets and so could there be a world where creators could sell a share or a slice of whatever they're doing to super fans, you know, enabled by crypto? Maybe. Um, I just, I don't know. And I, I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. So it remains to be seen is my, is my short answer. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and what about the future for like the creator fund? Um, can you give us any sense in terms of like this number of creators that you're looking at and um, what we kind of expect to see in the next year or so? Yeah. So we've, we've done, um, I'm counting four ish deal, four deals to date, working on a fifth one. Um, we want to do a, a bunch more, you know, this is something that we're really excited about. And it's been it's been fun kind of watching the the ecosystem of creator financing, and I include you guys as well as well, um, really come to life over the last mm. call it two two years. Um, so want to continue to just immerse ourselves in that world in that community, do a bunch more deals, and I think look, you know, there's definitely an opportunity for this to sit in its own fun vehicle one day. Um, you know, ha having a dedicated fund really to, to pursue more of these deals um and so i wouldn't i wouldn't bet against that so that's great and um I, before we wrap up i'd love to just understand more broadly do you have any sort of predictions for the creator economy in 2023 what you expect to see yeah um so two that like one is a soapbox that i'm on and then the other one is, is more of a micro point but i think the creator economy is kind of due for rebrand i think 
the the terminology got caught up in a lot of the tooling and infrastructure and um you know Lincoln bio startups and whatnot that have not quite proven the 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 promised uh, addressable market and when I think about it I almost think the words creator economy really like undervalue or undersell mm. the opportunity because really what you're talking about is consumer broadly defined right so creators touch everything across every consumer category whether it's sports media fitness home services beauty you know you name it healthcare right you name it and so i think we're due for a little bit of a reframe um it's something i it's like on my list of pieces to write or things to talk about more publicly um because i do think that as currently framed it, it definitely undersells what's actually happening mm. um and then the second point is and i know this is com- this conversation i've had this conversation with many people but there's a need for some sort of like hiring or recruiting mechanism within the creator world i think there's a lot of creators that like many ceos are amazing storytellers amazing visionaries but don't necessarily have the operational expertise to like go execute on the thing and so how do you basically find highly talented general managers, COOs, presidents, the people that like just love to execute? How do you match those folks with super talented, aspiring creator entrepreneurs? Um, and so willing to chat with anyone who's working on that in the space, because I think mm. it's, it's something that's super needed. Yeah, I mean, we definitely see that, but not just at the CEO level and the general management level, but at the scriptwriter and the thumbnail artist and the, you know, the editor level, there are so many creators that they're a bottleneck to their growth and they don't know how to find the right people and how to train someone to work with them and and that's often the challenge and it's a shame to see that but I feel like we're going to see in the next few years so much evolve from that perspective as well. I hope so. I think there, I mean, I was saying this to someone the other day, I can't remember who it was, but there's, you know, all the graduates of HBS and Stanford Mm. Business School who want to go, you know, be a GM at Uber. It's like, forget that. Go like, go work with, you know, the top YouTubers and and go help them build a massive empire. Like that sounds so much more fun, (laughs) like way more upside for you. So we need to figure out collectively how to, how to make that happen. Yeah. And I'm also fascinated to see about the rebrand of the creator economy, because we obviously came from influencer, which I really didn't like as a word to creator. So who knows what will be next? But um, that's going to be a fascinating one to watch as well. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm excited for it. Hopefully it happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining uh, today. For anybody listening that wants to get in contact, how can they connect with you and learn more about Slow? Sure. Um, you can email me at Megan at slow.co. No, not com. Um, find me on Twitter. I think I'm MM Lightcap, um, LinkedIn, you know, all the various work socials. So. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining today. Thanks for having me. It's really fun. So that was the latest episode in the Business of Creators podcast. We've got some amazing guests coming up. So please hit subscribe to join the conversation. And don't hesitate to send me a DM on Twitter or LinkedIn with your feedback about the show.